Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles. You follow Pentecostals. You're not reformed, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. Well, here we go, and welcome to another episode of Solar Cast. It's your boy, Pastor Chris Fernandez, and I'm here with my man, Jimmy De Los Santos. What's going on, Jimmy? How you doing, Pastor Chris? Doing well, man. Doing well. Something looks different today. Yeah, it does. So, yeah, we're on Zoom again, yeah. uh, but this time it's a little bit different. Right, What's the right. difference, Pastor Chris? <laughs> oh, man, we got a special guest with us uh, today, man. We got a special guest. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Rappaport from Striving from Eternity's Ministry is going to be with us today. Say hello, Andrew. Hello, Andrew. So this is our second time having a guest, right? The first time, this is our first time having a guest on Zoom. So we're trying to figure this thing out. But uh, the second time having a guest on the, on the show, we had a Henry Knox with us to discuss social justice, but he was live in studio, I guess, if you want to say, or <laughs> in garage or in room or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And but, uh, this is our first time doing the uh, guest with Zoom, so we're really excited. But don't you like that you can now do this like out of your own home with the Zoom? You guys don't have to like try to match up. I mean, you 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 guys now a couple what uh, is it two episodes now that you guys have been doing with the, where you're not having to be together? Yeah, actually, this is probably about maybe our fourth or fifth. Yeah. Fourth, okay. Right, right, yeah. But it's we we keep talking about that. We we sometimes enjoy being across the table from each other. This whole this whole thing started because uh, we'd go out to lunch and it'd end up having a four hour conversation on theology. And so we said, man, we need to put some mics between us and go ahead and uh, and you know let the world know these thoughts that we have. And uh, you know, I don't know that the world is listening, but uh, hey. Well, we're, I am. Still, we're still doing it. You want to consider maybe you know hundred people in the world. <laughs> You know, that's that's different for Andrew, though. Andrew's got a, a, a pretty big ministry, Striving for Eternities. How long ago did it start, Andrew? Uh, I guess like about 12 years ago now, I think okay. about it. Back in like, I think I think we started about 2000, 2007, 2010, somewhere in that, that time frame. Yeah. And awesome. it's it, it's grown, right? I mean, so... Uh, the 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 thing is, you've got you've got your hands in a lot of different uh, in a lot of different things. Uh, you know, the rap report. Uh, you've written a couple of books. Uh, you've got the Apologetics Live podcast uh, with Matt Slick. Uh, I think you're involved with him in some other things too. And so there's there's quite a bit you got going on, and you still find your way out to the streets to evangelize, which is you know which is a big thing for us, right? Uh, me and me and Pastor Chris, uh, with Ecclesia, our church, we're we're big on the on the evangelism thing. So, tell us about that. Yeah, I once had a gentleman who made the mistake of telling me he didn't have time to go out and evangelize. He had um, he had you know to work forty hours a week. That's you know he had a forty hour week job. He worked forty hours, and then he had his kids' soccer and dinner. And, and I'm like. Dude, like, okay, let's go through my day and see how, how this matches up. And I, I work like 100 hours a week, I, you know, and then I'm like, and I'm still on the streets like, you know, once a week. So it's like, yeah, you make time for what's important. Um, you, you just, you shouldn't be sacrificing family to do it. But I, I've been doing evangelism. I, I, I figured this out. I was talking with Ray Comfort. I've been doing evangelism and I've been doing open air for as long as Ray Comfort's been in the United States, not as long as Ray Comfort's been doing open air, but uh, I, I started doing open air. Well, I started doing evangelism in the, in the eighties. So I must've started when I was one years old. <laughs> okay. Good. Thank you for getting that joke. Um, <laughs> no, I started, I started in the late eighties doing evangelism, early nineties. I was doing open air. I didn't know what I was doing. I called it open air evangelism. I had no idea. I didn't have the advantage everyone has nowadays of having rate comfort videos. <laughs> right, right. I mean, they've been, they've, been a, they've been a blessing to me. That's, that's actually what got me started is watching him and uh, Kirk Cameron on TBN. There's a station that we got out here called TBN that when we watch it, uh, I came across that show and I was floored by the way that they did the, what they did. And it's kind of what got me started out there. Uh, what are you doing people. watching TBN, brother? Yeah, thank you. That was <laughs> that was so many years ago, man. Come on. 
Come on, Chris. You know he was, he was, he was, he's matured since ah. then spiritually. Okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you're just channel surfing and you never heard of this station. What is this TV? What is this TV? <laughs> okay, that's funny. Don't worry. I, I got your back. I got your back. No, I, don't, I don't really watch it anymore, but back then it was like, you know, just trying to get my feet uh, planted on solid ground. But it's interesting that I was, I was able to find living waters through them and, and, that changed everything. I think evangelism changes the way that we, uh, you know, it makes us mature in different ways because we have to be able to answer the questions uh, that skeptics have. And so to do that, you got to go deeper into your theology. Well, I'll I'll give you one different. I I used to take, when I was pastoring a church, I would take the youth group out. the, The kids that were from the church, we took them out an hour before evangelism to downtown Freehold. And I would take them out to do evangelism, the hand out tracks in, in downtown. And the reason was when we got them now to go to the youth group, we had a, a youth group that was probably half unbelievers because we would do youth group on Friday night. So we get a lot of local fan and we're a Chinese church. So people want their Chinese kids to be with other Chinese kids, even if they're not saved. So we have a lot of unbelievers. Well, that, that ended kind of quickly because all the believing kids, because they were already primed to evangelize, started evangelizing in youth group. And the kids that didn't want to hear the gospel all the time left. But here's the thing that I noticed with the youth group. I didn't have to teach about you shouldn't do drugs and don't have sex outside of marriage and all this moralism that right. most youth groups will teach about because the kids understood that because their testimony was at stake. When they're out there on the street sharing the gospel, they understood they needed to have a good testimony because they'd run into friends from school. And if they had a bad testimony in school, it affected their ability to evangelize. Or if someone else had a bad testimony in school and they're out with us, it affected someone's ability to evangelize. So they, they actually started realizing, I, I got to start living different if I'm going to go sharing the gospel on the streets. So it gave them more of an idea of living for a holy life. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's great. Good. Yeah, we talked about that before, you know, youth groups and moralism and, you know, just kind of the way that most youth groups are are formed or, or set up. It's just, it's week in, week out, moralism, not enough gospel. But yeah, I, I can imagine if you're teaching them how to share the gospel, there's going to be plenty of gospel. Yeah. Well, yeah, we had, we, we did have a dilemma. I had one of the mothers come up to me and she was, she wasn't exactly happy because her son, who is at that time, I think 13 or 14 is asking her all these questions because she's been a Christian. So for so long, and she's not having answers to these theological questions. <laughs> and it, it made some of the parents have to up their game as well. <laughs> but that's, but that's good. I see. That's, that's one of the things that we talk about on solo cast is how uh, people want to go just like half an inch thick into their, into the theology. They don't want to dig deep uh, into, into what we believe, and so I think that's, you know, that's, that's why it's important to, you know, send people out to evangelize because it will cause you to, to dig deeper into what the Bible actually teaches. And so it's one of those things that we want to do. We want get, to uh, get the average guy to know uh, his theology better than, than he knows it today. Well, that's the whole thing that I start with striving for turning what I was noticing. I used to do counseling at an addiction recovery center, and I noticed that over time, addicts actually had a really good view of the way Christians are supposed to behave and and think. They understand what it means to be fully committed, giving anything over to whatever their addiction is. I mean, whatever their addiction, they'll give up family. They'll give up a, I I had a guy that I was counseling, gave up a $10 million company, has destroyed his family. I mean, everything, all because he was hooked on drugs. And I mean, those drugs completely controlled him to things where it's like you'd be sitting there going, that's insane that you do that, but they'll do anything for that high. And I started to realize this is the, that's actually the way Christians should be living. And when I started doing the, when I started striving fraternity, it was, that's the mindset. It's that we're striving, Christ should be our addiction. I mean, so we would, eternity would be so fixed in our mind that everything we do would be like, I'll give anything to be with Christ. And, and that's really the, the idea behind what we're doing is just getting people to realize this temporal world, it's, it's going to be gone. Now, you know, as I'm getting older, I'm noticing that time seems to be, I'm like, where I'm still trying to figure out where January went. And like, I'm I'm now saying goodbye to August. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) 
And yeah, it, it's interesting you said that about G3 because uh, it was January G3 and here comes uh, G3 again just around the corner and I'm, I'm getting real hyped up for that. I think, uh, you know, we'll be out there this time uh, to represent SolarCast a little bit more. But uh, that's where we met, where you and Chris met actually. Uh, me and you go a little further back. Me and you went back, go back to the Ambassadors Academy uh, 2018, July in, in California. Uh, Living Waters does this, ambassadors academy every year they do one or two uh sessions and so it's like a three-day thing we go out to huntington beach we go out to the santa monica pier and they teach us how to evangelize how to open air preach which is something uh my counterparts when i go out evangelizing uh, some of my group is like yeah i can't do that i can't get up on that box and do that and so i think it's very um worthwhile to go out there and let them teach you how to get on the box and I try to tell them, you know, you don't have to get on the box if you don't want to, but man, you're going to want to when you see how it works. And drawing that crowd is something that uh, it's, it's, it's been fun. I got that trivia book and I, we get people up to that line and it's, you know, we, we it's, it's so much better witnessing the 80 people than it is to just the one. Um, but I do still like the one-on-one conversations. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to work with Living Waters every year. I go out and I, I will lead a team. Um, what we end up doing, just the, the, the way that they let us work, which is really good. Um, the, one of the other speakers for Striving Fraternity is Dr. Anthony Silvestro. And so he and I both take teams, but we kind of bring our teams together and work together, which gives people this. Anthony is very different in his approach to me. And so it gives the people a little bit of a getting two leaders at one, for price of one. Um, and, uh, you know, but we'll do things like w- the way we do a crowd, the way I like to draw a crowd, I use, I use apologetics. I, ad- I address the impossibility of evolution scientifically. I'm attacking their worldview, their God, and man, that's their doctrine. They come out and you're teaching them biblical truths. You're teaching them the impossibility of their own worldview. But the other thing that it does is it, it really gets a cr- people who are going to come and listen. And th- I enjoy that. I, you know, I, here's the thing that I ended up discovering, though, is you mentioned going to something like Living Waters Ambassador Academy. You could go to, to something like that. You can go to one of our either Equip Jersey or Equip Ohio events where we train people to evangelize. You can go to Sports Fan Outreach International to their Super Bowl outreach. You go to an event where you have a hundred other believers with you, or, or even if it's just 20, but you have a group, you feel more emboldened to get out on the street and, and share the gospel. Right. It's, it's just now all of a sudden you have that camaraderie. You also have a, a different advantage. If you say something wrong or someone could ask you a question you don't know the answer to, hey, Jimmy, <laughs> my friend Jimmy here, he can answer that question, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, and that actually happens. Yeah, <laughs> we, we employ that method quite a bit. Uh, so when we go out, that's, that's, it's important. Right. And Jimmy says, this is Chris, he's a pastor. He's got the answer. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can only point to the guy who's got the answer. Right? That's, you know, that's, that's true. That's but, uh, let's go ahead and reset here uh, very quickly, uh, Andrew. Um, you know, for some of our listeners that might not know about uh, your ministry, I know Jimmy had kind of uh, went through some things that you got your hands in. And again, looking over your bio, it seems like you got your hands in a lot of different things. But if you can, just tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself. Uh, you know, are you married? Uh, what, what part of the country you live in and so forth? And just go into what kind of ministries you're involved in. Sure. Uh, I grew up in a, in a Jewish home, so I was bar mitzvahed and, you know, my family basically kind of went through every stage of the major <laughs> divisions in Judaism, started out Orthodox, went conservative, then reformed. So we've kind of attended all the synagogues. <laughs> um, so, but so, you know, eventually, so I was allowed to eat bacon, which was a wonderful thing. Um, <laughs> but we had, um, you know, so I, as a Jewish kid growing up, I really didn't look for Christ. I believe Jesus Christ was Hitler's God. I wasn't looking to become a Christian. I didn't have any drama that was down in my life. It was a logical decision. I mean, I looked at, I had someone that explained to me the new Testament and the prophecies. It's mathematically impossible to have someone fulfill all these scriptures as stated in the Old Testament, as detailed as it is in the New Testament, by, by coincidence. It's beyond statistical impossibility, which is 10 to the 40th power. 
So I became a Christian being so bold, I didn't tell anyone for two years. I just sat in my room and read a Bible. I, I actually, my dad caught me a couple times reading a Bible in my room. And I'm so afraid, like he comes in my room and I shove it underneath the, the, the blanket. And he looks at me like, what was that? Uh, a, a book? I mean, I'm like 16 years old. <laughs> he's probably thinking it's something else, right? right. Exactly. And he, he, he's like, what book? A uh, Bible? I was so glad that each time he caught me, I was in the Old Testament. <laughs> but, but I, you know, I grew up, I ended up uh, going to seminary and becoming a pastor of a church. It was a pastor of Chinese American Bible Church in New Jersey. And my wife is from Hong Kong. People always ask, what is a Jewish boy doing in a Chinese church? And when I resigned from that church, I had started up striving for eternity. And back then, only for oh, what we called back then our Ohio Fire Conference. We called it that until the Strange Fire Conference that MacArthur put on. And now everyone thinks that it, it was a charismatic <laughs> conference. So we had to change the name to Equip Jersey. Thanks, John. Why do you say that? Because I think I heard of the Ohio, the Ohio Fire Conference after the Strange Fire Conference. And that's exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had, uh, it was funny cause I, I had Phil Johnson once come speak and I'm like, <laughs> we were like, Hey, we can't call it this anymore. Why Phil? <laughs> but funny. yeah, so we, we were, we were just training people to evangelize and I was doing a lot of discipleship. Discipling is if you get my book, what do we believe? You can read it. The intro where Phil Johnson put the forward to it. And he actually captured, because he, he knows me well, knows what I'm about. Most people think of me as an evangelist, but I, I loved what he, he had written because he, he realizes I'm a discipler. That's what, for me, the focus is. Evangelism is just the first step. Those people that don't know Christ, well, how do I teach them all things Christ taught me if I don't first teach them about Christ? So evangelism and then teaching them everything Christ taught me. And so in discipling, <clears throat> I was just... I was doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one discipling using technology, phones, video, things like that. And we started to say, well, we, we should be smart about the technology. Take this discipling you're doing. And one of the guys on my board said, why don't you do that in video and just put it out on YouTube? So we started the Striving for Attorney Academy where we offer free classes. How to interpret the Bible. Uh, we have like 20 classes called, that's called the School of Biblical Hermeneutics. We have like 80 classes in our School of Systematic Theology, over 20 classes on our World Religion class. Uh, I think over another 20 classes in our um, introduction to discipling. And so we have, we put these classes out there for free and that's how we make money. And um, yeah. That pauses for you to get the joke. Yeah. We're a little slow this morning. <laughs> yeah. See, see clearly I, I gave up my Judaism. All right. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> but I, we started doing our, our academy classes. We then started to morph into doing seminars where we can get into churches and, and be a little bit more direct with smaller churches. We have a very strange business model. If you want to call it business model, ministry model better, be better. Most ministries, parachurch ministries want to focus on the bigger churches where they can have a bigger impact. And the majority of churches in America are smaller. The, the, the most churches in America are less than 25 members. Wow. Yeah. There's a, there's so many churches. I think, it, I think half of all churches in America have less than a hundred people in them. Wow. And so when you think about that, there's nobody ministering to them that you have some pastor who's just, he's the only one who can preach week in and week out. He can't do a conference. He can't do a seminar. So we decided we would start creating seminars that we can help smaller churches to get excited about the God's word to start to grow spiritually. And then we think it's God's, you know, providence, whether it happens, but then that might mean further numbers growth as well. <clears throat> but we started doing a, we have a seminars on uh, how to interpret the Bible, Bible interpretation made easy. Come in for a weekend, teach people how to interpret the Bible. We have seminars on uh, church history. We're working on seminars for, I'm actually want to work on a seminar on social justice. I, I'm going to talk to Dr. Silvestro to try to work that, but we have ones on, on evangelism, creation, science, um, apologetics and we actually have one of georgia's leading 
experts in the area of sexual addictions and sexual crimes. He's actually uh, on the board, a three-person board in Georgia, and he, he basically deals with, you know, all these issues of sexual crime. And so he comes into churches to teach them about safety in issues of, you know, sexual abuse that could happen in a church. So many churches think, well, if I just do background checks, Pastor Mola says that when you look at the, the sexual criminals, people that get fingerprinted are only, you do those background checks, you're only going to catch about 25% of people who are committing sexual crimes, and yet they're, they're committing dozens of crimes before they ever get caught. So background checks really don't do a lot to protect churches, and the sexual predators prey on churches. So we have, we have seminars like that. Um, we, we're based out of New Jersey right now. We're, um, we are, I know New Jersey's like the armpit of New York. You know? <laughs> hey, my wife is from New Jersey, so Watch uh, that. Oh. I have to edit that out. <laughs> hey, wait, and where, where does she live now? In Dallas, Texas. Okay, so here's the thing. She'll appreciate this. I always say all good things come out of New Jersey. It's the things that stay that are a real problem. Like <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Actually, she only lived there for maybe her first five years of her life. So. Oh, so she doesn't even remember it? Nah, she remembers here there, little, little things. Yeah, yeah so I, I ended up writing some books. I, I spent 14 years uh, studying different world religions, wrote a book, What Do They Believe? And that, what that really covers is it, what I want to do is give people an ability to talk to a Muslim, to a Catholic, right. to a Mormon, and know what they actually believe. Not know how to refute it, because study your Bible, you'll know how to refute it. Awesome. But it goes to their sources. And the thing that is really neat about that is I, I get into debates with Muslims on the street and I'll ask them, am I misrepresenting your religion at all? They go, no, 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 you really understand Islam. I say, okay, so when I tell you you're misrepresenting Christianity, I'm doing it from a position as someone who's actually studied what you believe and I don't misrepresent it. And that gets them because they want to go, no, they think they know Christianity better than the Christians. <laughs> Well, you know, sad thing about it is sometimes they do. <laughs> well, then some Christians true. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then I wrote, what do we believe? Because the fact that too many Christians don't study theology. And if you look at the average systematic theology, it's, it's about two, three inches thick. It's intimidates people and they, they can't get through it. And so what do we believe is, is really easy to read. It's, it's not very thick. It, it's something that's good for, for church groups to go through. So we started doing that. And then we found another way of discipling is podcasting. And so we started the Christian podcast community and disciple people to be better podcasters, tell them good mics to use, tell them to check out Zoom, you know, some, so some things that we, some podcasters pick up on, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, you know, you, you gave us some uh, advice early on. We had asked you uh, if we could get a meeting going a while back to where you could give us some advice. So we did get the, uh, the ATR mics that you wanted us to get. And so, you know, we have the better mics now, but now you're telling us that we have something new. <laughs> so you're, but it's still, it's, it, it was all, it's always good to get together and, and, and find out, you know, what are other podcasters doing? So uh, I know you got that podcast. So you want to be a podcaster out there uh, to try to help, you know, people like me and pastor Chris, you know, we're novices at this, man. We've been doing it. I think this is like episode number 40 or we're, we're getting close to a year now that we've been doing this. So, uh, the fact is, we knew nothing about it when we first started. We grabbed some $18 mics off the internet, and that's how we started. And so uh, at this point, you know, we appreciate that you've got something out there helping people to get the word out. Right. And, and, and to, to that point, Andrew, uh, you know, now that you're, you're heavily involved in helping people with uh, podcasting, what, what, would, what would be your advice if somebody's out there and they want to start a podcast? What is, what's the first thing they should do? Well, I'll tell you what I tell everybody in our group. So we have a Facebook group called the Christian podcast community. And we, we being Colleen Sharp and I, Colleen's from Theology Gals, we use that as a means of discipling people. We disciple them in two ways to get better quality and better content. And it's interesting because that group, the three of us here are not going to agree with all the theology of the people in that group. There, we have that a little bit open, but we've also had times where Colleen and I have been able to help people in their theology as we're helping them with their podcast. Awesome. But what we tell them is listen to our So You Want to Be a Podcast or Podcast, because that's why we're doing it, is to help people 
here's everything you need to know about podcasting, especially as a Christian podcaster. We have some things in there that we're going to direct specifically to Christians like the one on ethics, where we're saying clickbait is wrong. That's a sinful thing to do. (laughs) Deceive your audience into believing you're going to talk about one thing when you really are going to talk about another. Um, You know what, what, is the most listened to episode of that actually is the one on co-hosts. And we've had so many people who've contacted us about like, I wish that I listened to this before we started podcasting because we try to give the things that people don't think about. We've been podcasting for several years. We've seen some of the good and ugly of podcasting. And we try to warn people up front before they get started. And, you know, podcasting is a great way to ruin a friendship. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you get two guys that, or, or gals or whoever that get along, they start doing a podcast and I don't know how many times I find this one person does like a hundred percent of the work and the other person just shows up to talk and the person doing all the work gets frustrated, but there was never an agreement beforehand of who's going to do what. So they just, one gets frustrated. One thinks this works great. I just show up and talk and they don't think about all the work that goes into it. And so we, we kind of say, no, you got to think through that stuff. And we even recommend people having contracts so that, um, you know, we have a Christian podcast community, which is actually, it's not a network. It's a community difference being is a podcast network. The podcast network actually owns your RSS feed, things like that. We're a community. So we don't own it. We just promote, we help each other and we try to disciple each other. Well, in that community, we're going to constantly be trying to disciple one another, help each other out. And it's, it's just really interesting because that's a little bit closer knit than the Facebook group. In there, most of us are going to agree theologically. Um, there's a whole process to get through that. But, but when we get there, you end up seeing that there's a whole lot that people don't think through in the podcasting. So, but to join our, our podcast community, we're actually going to say, okay, who actually owns everything? Right. Because people don't think about that. And then they split up and it's like, oh, like <laughs> we're going to fight over this. <laughs> yeah. What are we going to do now? I hope me and Chris never had that problem. I don't think we will. <laughs> actually, I don't think that was the way this was born out. Uh, you know, we, we have, we work on uh, both sides of this thing. Uh, he comes with his, I come with mine. We work at it together, I think, uh, for the most part. Plus, you know, he's my pastor, so. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I think, I think um, the way it works in your case is if you guys have a disagreement, that's called church discipline. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. No, but I, early on, I told, I told Pastor Chris that, uh, you know, hey, um, I come to Ecclesia. Uh, I wanted to come help, but I also wanted to serve. And so uh, got service in mind when it comes to even the podcast. We want to serve others uh, by giving them theology, by giving them something that they can uh, uh, understand. I think that's, that's what you were trying to do with what, what do we believe. Uh, I, read, I read a couple of things out of there. I read the foreword by Phil Johnson. It was, it was really interesting. And I read your chapter on salvation. That's a big deal for, uh, for, uh, for me. I did it for some study, and I think we were doing one podcast, so I was going to go read all the chapters I could on, on a uh, salvation at that point. I forget what, I forget what uh, episode that was, but uh, I, I find myself, I want to read the whole thing, but I end up reading bits and pieces of different books for different episodes. And that's the way my reading happens nowadays. Well, the nice thing about the way that I write is you can do that with, with e- any of my books there. You could read just one chapter and it, it doesn't rely on you having to read a different chapter. And so the way I try to write is so that it's, it's set for all levels, no matter age, spiritual age. I want anyone to be able to understand. So I could use the, the big words, but I'm going to define them as well. But people can pick up those books, but they're also quick references. You know, and where I find it is a lot of people have told me it's helped them when they have, they have a Jehovah Witness come to their door. They just can pull that out and it's, it becomes quick if you just read small sections. Um, or you have people who are just trying to study for something and they use it, the, what do we believe is a quick reference. Like you're saying, hey, I got to do a podcast on salvation. Let me just, let me read that section. And therefore you're not reading as much. The, the book that you may want to check out, because I know your love for evangelism, uh, sharing the good news with Mormons. Now you say, well, wait a minute, we don't share the gospel with Mormons that much. That I'm one of, I think, 24 authors that contributed to that book. 
And it's basically every chapter is a different way to sharing the gospel with Mormons. And you end up realizing people get really, really creative. And not all of it applies to just to Mormonism. My chapter is on open air evangelism and which was the I'd frustrated the editor because the, the publishing house has this editor. They send me the, my chapter back and they're like, um, this is supposed to be a practical guide and half of your chapter is saying who shouldn't do evangelism like open air. <laughs> You're supposed to be giving them a, a help to do it. And I'm like, it doesn't take a lot to do open air evangelism, stand up on a corner, preach the gospel. That's, that's it. Right. But there's a lot of people that shouldn't be doing it. And if you go on YouTube and look open air preaching, street preaching, open air evangelism, there's a whole bunch of bad examples. So yeah, I'm giving instruction on who should do it. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, you know, things people should and should not do, Andrew, one of the reasons why we wanted to uh, invite you on and, oh, and we, we wanted go. to, yeah, we wanted to, <laughs> we wanted to get your insights and thoughts on this because we, we touched on, it's been, it's been a while now. We, we did an episode on, uh, you know, biblical womanhood and, you know, pastors and so forth. So we, we wanted to just uh, kind of, I guess, open up an old wound here in one of your tweets, I guess, and <laughs> bring, up a, bring up a tweet and just kind of maybe get some uh, more insight on it. Because, I mean, let, let, we'll put it up front. We agree with you. But I know you caught some, uh, some pushback from it. it was, this tweet goes back to February. I had to, it took me a while to find it. But I remember when you tweeted it, you had a lot of reaction. And uh, in it, you said a church with a female pastor is not a church and she is not a pastor. Um, so we kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that uh, as far as you know, biblical. Uh, <laughs> I know it's kind of funny because all the you got, but I mean, it's just, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we're, we're on board with and we've talked about it in the past. No, I was, I was going to say that even here in my, I got three daughters. I bring up this subject and man, it's like, what daddy now what and so uh having to explain this from a from a, that he's he's laughing because he can he can you've got a daughter too right Andrew? i do okay so they they're just so saturated with what the culture wants to teach them that this biblical thing is 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 foreign to them and so uh having to explain it and i think my daughters understand where i'm coming from but it's it's something else. And I just mentioning the fact that you're going to be a guest on our podcast to my daughters and what are y'all going to talk about? And I bring up this subject. Well, we've had some conversation here at the house. So it, it, it does bring up a pretty good conversation, but uh, go ahead. Your thoughts, Angie. Well, that, that's literally the, the tweet that went around the world. I, I was in the Philippines and that became a topic of, of conversation. People had, had read it there and See, now my daughter, I don't have that problem with my daughter. My daughter uh, was raised by my wife as well as me. And my wife has a, a very biblical view of this. And I think that our culture, you're right. Our culture affects this view. There is not a single mainstream denomination that I know of that does not accept women preachers that within a generation or two starts accepting homosexuality or any other form of liberalism. Wow. It's as if this is the first issue that you see liberalism fighting over. Why? Because if you look in the culture that we have today, we're removed from a culture where men typically were the ones to do all the hard labor and the ladies would take the hard labor of raising the children. And there was a separation of the, those functions and we don't live in a culture like that anymore. Now you see women out in the workplace, very, very common. So the idea is, well, if, if this is so common, why can't they do anything else? They're, they're equal. They're able to do this. This shouldn't be a problem. And it's hard for many people to say, you know what? It doesn't matter what I believe. Hmm. It really doesn't. If I believe a woman can be a better pastor and a better preacher than I can ever be, there are plenty of women who can. I freely admit that the issue is I don't get to set the rules. Right. God does. And so my job is to follow what God has said and that's it. And if I don't like it too bad, I don't make the rules. If, if other ladies don't like it too bad, they don't get to make the rules. And this is where I think a lot of people end up having the struggle. Let me just, I, I got to go to the scripture on this because so many people, if they're listening, there may be some, some people out who they're, they really struggle with this. So 
just give me, a, a, if I could, just a couple of minutes to work through First Timothy chapter 2, 11 to 14, because this is really the key verse. Y- you could go, and I think you guys know I did a whole podcast episode going through, does God allow women to preach? And I looked at every one of the arguments that people make. Look at Deborah, look at this one, look at, and they're all bad arguments. None of them actually address the question, but First Timothy 2 does. What does it say? It, it starts off by saying, I do not permit a woman to teach or have exercise or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she's to remain quiet. Now, this is in a church setting. That's why he's writing this. Paul's writing to Timothy on how to run the church. So in this church setting, he's saying this is what is to be done. Now, here's the thing. So many people focus on the idea of having this forceful authority. And, and there is a, that is the idea that exercise authority, it's a forceful one, but that I don't permit a woman to teach is a general instruction. A woman's not allowed to give a general instruction or have a forceful authority. Rather, she's to remain quiet. But then verse 13, it's, it, we have a purpose clause, for. Now, does he say, for the Roman culture is run this way? No. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. So first thing he does is go back to creation and say that the reason for this instruction goes back to the creation order, the way God created man. This goes back to the idea of federal headship. Second reason, verse 14, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became the transgressor. So it's the sin order. Again, goes back to creation. So in both of these arguments, he doesn't appeal to culture as the reason. He appeals to creation and the way God has ordained things. Now, do you and I like it? It doesn't matter. Right. I mean, that's the whole thing. This is the way God designed this. The, the reality is it means that you and I, or three of us here as men, have a greater responsibility, especially as married men, to be instructing our wives. And, you know, the thing that so many people get upset with in our culture is Ephesians chapter 5, when it talks about husbands and wives. And it's going to say, husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. And, and they'll sit there and say, well, wives, you know, submitting to their husbands, that's so, that's so archaic and that we don't live in that culture and and wives shouldn't do that but here's the thing if you look at the last verse verse 33 of that it says however let each one of you love his wife as himself and let her see that she respects her husband now when you look in the greek there what you end up seeing is that should be translated so let each one of you love your wife so that she respects you in other words Husband's job is to so love his wife, why wouldn't she want to? My wife had a a ladies' Bible study here at the house when I was pastor once, and and they were talking about this passage, and they asked her, you know, don't you, you know, what do you you submit to Andrew? And she, her response was, she said, well, why wouldn't I? Hmm. She said, if he is loving me more than himself, he's putting me first and foremost in everything, why wouldn't my natural response be to submit to him? Right. Because he's got my best interests at heart. Now, I think she's clearly deceived in there, but <laughs> okay. whatever drugs she's taken, I need some of them. <laughs> but that's our job, guys. Yeah. Now, that's in the home. Now, when you get to the church, God, this is now God's building and, or God's organization. He gets to set the rules. It doesn't matter whether we like it. What do you think, Andrew? Um, so we know egalitarians are going to be egalitarians. Why do you think it seems like recently there's been a push for women to preach, even in complementarian circles? Okay. Well, let me, let me first define terms for in case you have people that don't know the terms. Egalitarian would be the, those that say that men and women are completely equal in every way. And, and therefore they should be allowed to preach and, and pastor a church. Complementarianism would be the idea that, that God created women to be a complement to the men. So they come alongside and are a, a helper to us. It means that we're not completely complete without them and they're not complete without us. Okay. Well, we have our different roles right. and that's God ordained. Why is this the major issue? I think because this is the easiest issue to undermine the church with, because once you accept this, you no longer are resting on God's word as your truth. 
And now you could bring in anything else. And with our culture, this seems to be the easiest one. You're seeing this now where now homosexuality is coming in. Yeah. I mean, did you hear this, you know, the Southern Baptist with, uh, you know, recently where they're now starting to try to justify homosexuality. It's like, our, okay, um, it, this is where it goes. It's, it slowly seeps in once you accept this and say, okay, yes, God's word says this is the way it's supposed to be, but culture says this. Once you use culture to, to interpret scripture, then you no longer need God. It's culture that becomes no different than the Roman Catholic Church where they had tradition. You have all, and they're not alone. We have these people that was, the Watchtower with Jehovah Witnesses, the, the Mormon uh, apostles. Every group has these, these, something where they replace the authority of the Holy Spirit doing the interpreting to some, something else. And in, in this case, it's culture. And, and this is where so many Christians miss it. I mean, go, go back and read Jeremiah 31, 31 and following, or Ezekiel 36, 25 and following. Look at what the new covenant was. What it is that the Jewish people were to look for a new covenant. We had these priests that would, that would have to tell us what God's word says. And, and here you, you have this time where it's going to come where God himself is going to indwell you. So you no longer need some priest to tell you his word, but he's going to indwell you and tell you himself. He's going to help you in interpreting and applying his word to your life. I mean, that's a mind blow, right? right? And people just go, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I got the Holy Spirit. Oh, let me, let me, let me, I got the Holy Spirit more than you. I can jump up and down and, and vomit and bark like a dog and fall over, you know, and, and do all kinds of nonsense. No, that's not what the Holy Spirit does. He helps you understand the word of God. The creator of the universe has spoken and he indwells you to help you understand it. And we want to be like, no, that's not good enough. I, I, I'm going to look to culture. Wow. Yeah. You know, one, one thing, um, I, I know I get in trouble for what I'm about to say, but I, when we look at the culture and I believe that it's already happened I'm, for 50 years now, uh, it's been this thing like women saying to men, we don't need you. We don't need you. We can do this all on our own. And, and so that is one of those things Well, you tell a man that eventually he's going to leave. And uh, I, I think that one of the biggest problems we have is that men do leave and they don't, they don't uh, take their stand as, as fathers and husbands. And, um, and I think the, the culture, America, it's showing that in so many different ways. Uh, and again, the whole thing with homosexuality, as you're saying, Andrew, is rampant now across the nation, right? We've even gotten to a place where marriages uh, between homosexuals is legal in this country. Um, and so I think it all stems from that. If we look at it from a biblical perspective, if we'd have had a biblical stance in place as a country, would we be where we're at right now? in the culture. Well, so many people say, is homosexuality going to bring about God's judgment? No, according to Romans one, it is God's judgment. Absolutely. Yeah. We're not going to be judged. We are under his judgment right now right. Wow. because we've turned from God. We're turning to things like the, what the culture is trying to push. And you're bringing out the point that what you see is the way to change the culture was not to, train men to be men. It was to, it was to bring men down so we could lift the women up. And so it wasn't lifting women up. It was, you got to bring the men down. You have to feminize the men and you have to introduce homosexuality to children, which any, anyone that studies this knows that when children are introduced to homosexuality, they're abused at a young age. That's how you, that's how you evangelize homosexuals. And so what do we have? We have drag queens in, in, in libraries with two-year-olds teaching two-year-olds about this stuff. I mean, people warned everyone, hey, if you teach sixth graders about sex, it's not going to reduce the, the sex outside of marriage. It's going to increase it. That's been proven. So what do they want to do? Oh, sixth grade isn't enough. We got to teach them younger and younger. And now it's two-year-olds have to be taught about sex in libraries by guys dressed as girls. Right, you know, right. this drag queen, queen uh, reading time. time yeah. yeah. As young as two years old. Do you think a two-year-old understands? I mean, you, you, these kids are being forced into child abuse because that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's abusing these children and to try to change the culture. Right, and right. 
It's a disgusting thing. It's disgusting because you're, you're, you know, they, they want to sit there and say, oh, we're doing it for the children. No, you're not. You're doing it for yourself and you're abusing the children to get your way. And, and this brings about the, what we're, where we're at now with God's judgment. Yeah. And, you know, I was just thinking about something uh, Todd Frill always says on Wretched. Uh, if you find, uh, you know, someone that is, you know, wanting to, uh, a young boy that's six years old wanting to wear uh, women's clothes, uh, you can definitely be sure there's a mother behind him saying, it's okay, son, wear those women's clothes. And this is, this is one of the things when I hear him say that, I, I, th- I think I tend to agree um, because I think uh, where men have stepped away and aren't being fathers to their sons, uh, you're going to find this, uh, you're going to find this type of behavior. You know, I did an episode on, on my Andrew Rapport's Rap Report podcast about James. I don't know if you heard about James, a six-year-old who his, his mother decided that James was really a girl and the father, they're getting divorced. The father is, so every time the, 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 that James was anywhere without his mother, he wanted to be a boy. He wanted to be James, but his, when he's with his mother, he would be dressed up as a girl. The mother took him to a, a, a psychiatrist who said, yeah, he's, he's gender confused. So he, he needs to, th- he needs to be taught to be a girl. And so the court has, has, basically said that the father is forced to refer to him as a girl, forced to put him in school as a girl, cannot say anything about what's going on in the divorce in the court case. And he's, he's gagged. So you have these, you have the court like enforcing this. And here's the thing that's amazing to, I mean, just how did we get here is really simple. The first thing we did was get rid of critical thinking in schools so we could teach evolution because you can't teach critical thinking and evolution. Okay, they're mutually exclusive. A little bit of critical thinking shows evolution doesn't work. Once you get rid of critical thinking, what do you get? Well, I feel like I'm a girl today, but in an hour, I'm going to feel like I'm a boy and you got to know which one I am at which times. Here's the irony. I I was reading a uh, a newspaper article to my wife and they were talking about the the differences, the gender gap in paying payment at salaries. And how it's unfair that women don't get paid as much as men. And I went, wait a minute. I thought there's no such thing as women and men. I thought there's supposed to be no binary gender. I mean, come on. So they're just men that think they're women not getting paid enough. And I mean, the real test, the real test of that is all we have to do is get some woman to say she's a man. Does her salary suddenly go up? No? Oh, then it had nothing to do with the gender, did it? (laughs) Wow. But uh, speaking of, of that and gender and uh, roles, uh, we talked about roles between you know men and women in the home and the church. I think I saw a podcast that you guys did recently about uh, the women's role in the church or women's uh, ministry and so forth. Where, where do you think uh, women serve best when it comes to the church? What, what is their role in the church if it's not preaching? Well, I'll put it this way. I think they can serve in any area in the church other than that, right? Other than an area where they're doing the, the preaching and teaching, where they're in authority. And I'll go back to Genesis chapter 3 on this. There's very, something very interesting that happens in Genesis 3 when the serpent comes to Eve. Because what do we have in the garden? They're allowed to eat of any fruit in the garden but one. There's one tree. They're not allowed to eat of that fruit. How does the serpent say it? He says to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Notice how Satan did it. If, you, if there's one tree that you can't eat of, and maybe there's, there's hundreds of others that you can, he focuses on the one that you can. He goes, so you can't do anything. You can't eat of any. And I mean, she at least corrects him to a point because she says, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, nor shall you touch it. So she's correct in the sense that, no, we have all these trees we can eat of. It's just one we can't. Hmm. That is the same thing you end up seeing in this issue of what can a woman do in the church? Because this is the question that comes up. Well, if a woman can't preach, what can she do? Everything else. It's there are hundreds of trees out there. There's just one she can't have. But what does the culture want to do is say, what does Satan want to do is say, well, if she can't do that, she can't do anything. That's, then you can't do anything. No, you could do a whole lot of things. You could even do things men shouldn't do, like discipling other women. 
That's dangerous when men try to say, oh, no, I'm going to be the, I'll disciple the women. No. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll disciple the single women in their home. No. <laughs> Not in my church, you won't. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, a problem. We don't, we don't have a sign-up sheet for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting. Well, that's a good way to look at it, though. I mean, I, I guess I've never looked at that scripture that way before, but, yeah, there's a lot of trees out there. So I, I, I tend to agree with you. I'm, I'm glad we, we had this discussion. This is good stuff. I know you got a lot of flack way back in February over that. You, you must have spent uh, like a month uh, uh, dealing with the, with, the, with the aftermath. Well, I dealt with the aftermath here in America, and then I went to the Philippines with Justin Peters, and we dealt with the aftermath there. And then we came back home and dealt with it here. <laughs> so we dealt with it with Beth Moore. Um, the interesting thing, I was in the Philippines – and I'm doing this discernment conference. And we basically the way they did this is we did a conference in Manila. And Justin and I did the same conference in Cebu. So we're in Cebu. The question that during the Q&A I get asked, and just me, I, when we're doing this Q&A, we want to try to get through lots of questions. And I, I mean, I'm with Justin Peters. He's, he is much better than me at answering like basically about everything. So I want to give him time to answer. I want to be as brief and hand over time for him. So, and they were taking turns. They noticed that I would like defer to him a lot. So they, they made us trade off on, on who starts first. So I had to start off. And the question was this, because of what happened in Manila, we talked about this women's role. There were actually women pastors who started to rethink their position. What do they do? In Cebu, the question came up. If, I have a, if you have a church that has a woman pastor, how do you transition to a male pastor? And if no men step up, what do you do? Me, in my attempt at being brief, I said, fire her and close the church. And then I just looked at Justin. And there was some laughing, but there was three rows of women that went. <gasps> and I found out afterwards, they were all female pastors. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And so, but here's the good news. Here's the good news. Yeah. Pastor David from Cebu sent me an, an email. And he said that in one of the churches down there, they had a woman, they had a church where they asked a woman to get up and, and preach. And she said, no, it's not biblical. Get a man to do it. Wow. And I was, it's like, wow. Okay. So but some of the thing, here's some of the thing we have to understand with this issue. Some people don't know any different. It's the only way they've been taught. Their culture says that this isn't a problem. They are in churches where it's not a problem. And so they don't know any different. So I don't want to be too hard on people that are female pastors until I understand that they actually understand the issue right. and reject it because some people don't know any better. They've been deceived into thinking that this is the way it's supposed to be. And there's no big deal about it. And so they go and they, they just, they want to do well. There's plenty of women who really, their heart intention is to please Christ and to try to teach people what they've been taught, but they just don't know any better. And in a case like that, I want to give grace because there are people like that. And that's what I think happened there in Cebu is that some of the women, it was the first time they were ever hearing this because that's just not taught down there or in a lot of places here in America as well. And so, the first time they hear it, it's like, oh, I need to submit to God's word. Right. That is that is the basic. I mean, that is the basic thing right there. The authority of the scriptures. Um, ultimately, we read the scriptures and we need to submit to it. I've I've said this to so many people. You want to you want to set yourself above scripture and dictate to scripture what it should tell you because that's what the culture is told. But you need to get under it and submit to it. And so that's that's been one of my main things in talking to people about the subjects like this. I think, you know, and also just going back to the your ministry, Andrew, and, you know, you talk about how, you know, you're trying to equip people and, and teach people these things. Uh, there's a lot of people out there lost in the dark and they don't understand these things. So showing grace uh, in this time uh, is awesome. And that's one of the reasons why we started this podcast. <laughs> we felt that we we're a little, being a little bit harsh on online Facebook, just throwing jabs. And we said, you know what, let's just get behind some mics and let people hear our tone and hear what we're trying to say. We're not trying to just throw things out just for the sake of offending somebody. We're trying to equip people with the word of God. We're trying to help them grow in their knowledge of, of Jesus Christ. We're trying to disciple them and we're trying to do it in love. We're not trying just to poke a bear and start a fight. And I think that's what, you you know, ministries like yours and, and others are doing as well. 
Well, it's a big part of why I started the podcast, the rap report was because I was like you, I mean, I just, I'm very terse online and it's just very pointed and that doesn't always communicate well. So it, it, like my board was like, you need to get out there where people hear your tone, hear how you actually are saying things because it's very different. That's why we started the Apologetics Live and, and that's a pod that we do as a podcast. And, you know, because here's the thing, some of the times you're going to hear, and this is a specific issue, you hear people that use really bad arguments, like you're oppressing women. Right. How am I oppressing a woman? You know, some people will say just being a man, I'm oppressing a woman. Um, uh, I, I, just being a white man, I'm oppressing both women and all blacks. And, and it's like, what does it have to do with oppression? You know, I'm not, here's the question I, I like to ask people. I'd say, if you don't let a woman be a pastor, you're oppressing them. Hmm. Am I oppressing all the men that I don't let pa to be pastor either? Because there's qualifications of who could be a pastor. And a lot of men in the church don't qualify. Am I oppressing them? That's like spit, gets their head spinning because all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. Uh, no, it's only the men that are supposed to be oppressing the women. Wait, if men are also not allowed to be pastors, uh, how does that fit in my paradigm? <laughs> yeah. You just blew up their narrative, yeah. Yeah. That, Which is what I want to do to get them thinking, right? Yeah. But when I say that online and I just say it, it doesn't have the same effect of when as they could see me smiling or hear in my voice that I'm, I'm not saying it in a harsh tone, but I want them thinking about it. Exactly. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. I, yeah. We feel the same way. Yeah, Andrew, uh, you know, I know, I know you got a lot on your plate, so we don't want to take a lot of your time, but we appreciate you jumping on with us. We just kind of wanted you to, to get your, uh, your thoughts and just discuss about your ministry and everything that you guys are doing and uh, with, the, with the evangelism, with the podcasting, and just get your insights on this, this subject here. But if, uh, if some of our listeners wanted to find out more about uh, your ministry and what you do and follow you and maybe even uh, support you, where, where can they go? Well, first off, are you kidding me? I've now made it to the big time. I have been on SolarCast. I mean, that is like, <laughs> dude, I've been on SolarCast. How many guys can make that claim? I hit the big leagues. Well, All right. Other, well, one other. <laughs> yeah, there's two of us that can say this. <laughs> right. Um, people could go to strivingforeternity.org. Everything that we have is, is out there. We'll be redesigning the website, so I'll be looking even better soon. But we're, um, I'm actually creating a whole new YouTube channel because we're just, we're moving to Apologetics Live uh, from Carm's site. We used to be on Carm and we're going to just with what's going on with Carm, they're doing a whole bunch of reshuffling. And so we're going to, we're resetting up a, a new page so we could do it right because our original YouTube wasn't set up right or set up well. So um, uh, if anyone wants to check out the YouTube, our YouTube channel, uh, they could actually just go to bit.ly.com. So it's bitly.com slash YTSFE, stands for YouTube Striving for Eternity. That's our new channel because I allow a lot of people around the old one. We're going to move over, um, but we will be doing the Apologetics Live. Uh, you could actually just go to ApologeticsLive.com. That way you always find it on Thursday nights. It's a great place to come in, ask any questions. People sometimes say, you know, do you have office hours? Sure. Thursday night, 8 o'clock to 10 o'clock. Uh, on Thursday nights, Eastern time, you just come right in and I'll try to answer any questions you have. <laughs> awesome. And uh, do us a favor also, uh, Andrew, if you don't mind, uh, next time you talk to Colleen from Theology Girls, uh, tell her to give us the Reformed Baptist a break and let us in the reform camp. <laughs> well, anyone that, so it's become a thing where I don't think we, we do a show uh, that I don't somehow find a way to jab the Presbyterian uh, Baptist. We, we have, it's been kind of fun. We've been getting a lot more Baptists that are joining the uh, Christian podcast community. And so I, I, we do these interviews and I'm always like, oh, I'm feeling at home with all these, you know, properly, you know, uh, biblical brothers and <laughs> she's outnumbered. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, tell her, I mean, we'll take a second class membership to get in the reform camp or whatever it takes. We just want in, you know. <laughs> I want my reform card. Yeah. <laughs> but I, don't, Andrew, I don't know how much that, that reform card is, is valued as much anymore, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the culture doesn't value it, but, you know, 
anyway. <laughs> yeah, but Andrew, we appreciate your time today. Uh, thanks for jumping on with us. And, uh, you know, we, we really appreciate everything you had to share with us. I'm sure our listeners uh, got a lot of insight, a lot of edification there. And I uh, really appreciate everything uh, that you're doing in your ministry. And just uh, we're paying for you, brother. Well, I appreciate your, your ministry that you guys are doing with SolarCast. It's, it's a great podcast, one I recommend, um, as well as with what you guys are doing with the church. It's on, you know, I pray for because I, we need more men like you that are trying to just be faithful to the Word of God, proclaiming it in its truth, and not worrying about what culture thinks about it. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. That's our episode today. Uh, you guys, if you got any feedback, pushback, make sure you go check us out at www.thesolacast.org. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search in the toolbar there for Solacast. You can always uh, follow us on Twitter at Sola underscore cast, and you can follow Jimmy at? At Los Jimmy. And I'm at C Hernandez 214. Also, if you're in the Dallas area, make sure you take some time to join us out in beautiful West Dallas. And, you know, we got, I hear we, hey, Jimmy, I hear we got some air conditioning now. We do. <laughs> Bring a sweater to church. Yeah, tomorrow. it's going to be cold tomorrow because we're going to have that AC cranking. But All anyway, right. uh, yeah, join us at 3232 Batan Street in Dallas, Texas. If you want to check out uh, the uh, ministry online, you can go to www.ecclesiachurch.org. Also, don't forget about the Patreon account we just started. Actually, this was a uh, this was this was in uh, response to something Andrew recommended. So, <laughs> go check out our Patreon account at patreon.com/solacast. There, you can support the ministry in any way possible. But anyway, until next time, let's get to the meat. Let's do it. Okay, I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight. I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight. It's not music but clothes that he started. I can find better shirts in a flea market. Okay, Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, Rat and Grace is full of slackers.